following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Good evening, everybody. I, I, I remember the first time I ever went to Louisiana <clears throat> to preach a revival. I'm a West Texas kid. And I went over to preach a revival. And my hand clap just then reminded me of how they sang their songs. In West Texas, we'd sing a song like, Some glad morning when this life is over. Like that. Louisiana, some glad morning when this life is over. And they would double time that clap. It was like a hummingbird wing. They were clapping, and I got that Louisiana spirit on me here tonight. Clapping my hands real fast. Wow, isn't it good to be in church tonight? Isn't it good? I love all of you. I'm not taking it back. I don't care what the devil says. I'm not taking it back. So you believe him or you believe me, and I'm preaching for the Lord, all right? So stand to your feet. You're awesome people. I love the fire out of you. I won't be long tonight. As Henry VIII told his fifth wife, I won't keep you long. That's one of my old jokes, but I throw it out every now and then. I like it. New people hadn't heard it, so now you've heard it, all right? We've got some precious new people in the house, and, and uh, we're going to be introducing them down the road a little bit, but we've got brand new people in the house here tonight, and I think that's so cool. And, and we have people back for the first time from COVID tonight. Hey, isn't that cool? I will tell you that our online campus is still very, very large. We have 13 to 15 to 1,600 people a week tune in, listen to the whole program because they're not, they're not just listening for a minute, they're staying with the whole program. So it means it's people that call this home and we understand that and there's about 15, 1,600 a week that listen to our services and if you're listening tonight, we love the fire out of you and we want you to get back as soon as possible. And we understand everybody's got to be safe. This thing's going back to a five. But every time I think about five, I think about the grace of God. Yes. Amen. God's grace is greater. <clears throat> now, tonight and next Wednesday, I'm going to do a little two-part series on what I'm going to introduce tonight. I'm going to speak tonight on the joy genome. The joy genome. I'm not trying to be smart here tonight, but I'm going to talk about the joy genome, and I'm going to speak on joy next week. So if you want to get out of the rusty paths of discouragement and fear and hardship, and you want a little joy in your life, show up next week. We're going to have some J-O-Y in the house. I'm going to introduce it tonight. We're going to take communion tonight. You got your communion cups? And next week, we're going to do a continuation of this. Everybody say the joy, the joy. Genome. genome. And you may be seated. Philippians is the happiest, most joyful book in the Bible. And right here at the end of summer in Austin, even though it is a fall month, the summer of Austin, I think the world, Austin, and this church could use a good dose of old-time happiness and joy. Jesus-centered joy. 
Hear this. I'm teaching from the most joyful book in the Bible, and it was written from a prison cell. And the man would not get out of there alive. He would die by having his head taken off of his body. That's hard to imagine. Many probably think Paul was maybe coming off of a great crusade where thousands were saved. Maybe he had just come out of a mineral bath. Or perhaps he was in a green room getting a neck and shoulder rub for his next sermon. But he's on lockdown. Yet he writes, he writes this happy book. In my heart tonight, I want God to restore our joy. David said, restore my joy. Restore the joy that I once had. David's sin had separated him from God and he said, I need my joy restored. And every now and then, you need to just plug up to the J-O-Y plug and get your joy restored in your life. So I'm gonna read tonight from Philippians chapter one. I'm gonna read about nine verses, but I want you to hear this. I'm gonna not read it fast. Now, I want you to know, Paul said, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It's true that some preach Christ out of evil or envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But watch this first phrase in 18. But what does it matter? What does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motive or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Would you put your hands together for the great Apostle Paul? <laughs> so Paul simply is saying, I know there's people that preach the gospel for envy and for rivalry and for gain, and others preach the gospel because it's the right thing to do. But he said, but what does it matter? The gospel is being preached. He didn't put one down and he didn't exalt the other. He said whether they come because of envy or whether they come because they want the gospel to go out, what does it matter? The gospel's preached. So what does it matter? What you gonna do? Paul says two times what has happened to me in verse 12 and verse 19. Then he says in 18, I will continue to rejoice. 
You know, Paul got in those chains in Acts 26 in front of Herod Agrippa. And Agrippa made a statement to him, I wished that I could be like you. I, you have almost persuaded me to be a Christian. And Paul said, I wish you could be like me, except for these chains. The only thing that's different about me and you is I'm in chains, but I know Jesus, and you're not in chains, and you don't know Jesus. And so, and so Agrippa said, would you like to say something? And Paul said, I think myself happy. Paul went on this journey, had a shipwreck, was bitten by a serpent, then thrown in the Mamertine prison, and he died there. But he wrote the most joyful gospel, knowing that he was probably never gonna see daylight again. So if a man can do that, and I can preach about that, I think we ought to rejoice in that tonight in this house, amen. The dominant word in the book of Philippians is joy. Now let's look at that word genome. Genome is a word. I did not know what it went until, meant until I read about it and thought about it and researched it, but here we go. Genome contains all the genetic material for an organism. The chromosomes, the DNA, the genes, all that stuff is part of the genome. And the genes send all the information to the proteins that are required to sustain an organism. Proteins determine what the organism is gonna look like, the health of the organism, and often the behavior of the organism. Everybody say what we look like, what our health is, and what our behavior is. So a genome is the master blueprint for the body. And in the book of Philippians, we see the theme of joy, and yet a man in prison. So we must look into this word more closely to see what the underlying theme is all about. What is the master blueprint of this thing called joy? Here's a man experiencing it, joy. There are people all over the world with nothing, so to speak, materially, yet they have joy. When I went to the Philippines in 84 and 85, my second trip, I didn't want to come back to America because those people who have nothing have joy that's unbelievable in their life. When I went down to South America and was in a crusade down by Campanus many years ago, people rode buses for 36 hours to come to that convention and come to that, to that crusade that I got to preach at and got to give the gospel to and I saw joy in their life. They didn't worry that they didn't have an air-conditioned bus for 36 hours. They didn't worry that they didn't have the right facilities there at the place. All they wanted was more of Jesus in their life. Now, I want to declare something to you. I know, I know that we live in America, and we've got a lot of blessings in America, but America's blessings should not take away the real blessings of the Lord Jesus Christ in our life. And the real joy should come out because of him, not because of what we possess in other things. Can I get a witness here tonight? So an article was written, a new prototype for Facebook. How many here have Facebook? Come on, be bold. I'm not gonna fuss at you. Raise your hands. Oh, you chickens. I don't do Facebook. 
but I do tweet. <laughs> Not much. When you hear from me, I got people following me thinking, when's Pastor Rex going to say anything? I just text, I tweet good news about Jesus, about the church, and the Longhorns when they win. Really. But, but this, this company is developing a, a prototype of what they call gross national happiness. It's algorithms. They see in words people are using in their Facebook and in their Instagram and collecting them to see how happy they are. <laughs> and on special days like Thanksgiving versus Christmas, it's called Gross National Happiness Week, okay? Paul is defining his circumstances. And I don't think that this algorithm probably would think that Paul had what he had in him where he was and how he was and what it was all about. But in verse 12, he said, I want you to know something. I am in prison, I'm locked up, guards are everywhere, and I'm chained. What you don't know is they had to change those guards every 30 minutes because Paul would convert them. <laughs> That's a true story, that happened. They were Praetorian guards, the meanest, toughest, rowdiest guards, rowdiest people in all of Rome, and Paul would convert them, and he'd lay hands on them, and they'd receive the Spirit of God. He said, what has happened to me has served to further the gospel. He said, I'm hurting, it's painful, but there's a higher purpose. And this is what I know, it is moving the message down the field. We're getting the message out. Verse 13, he said, I'm in chains for Christ, but the gospel's getting out. So what if Paul used Facebook, okay? What if he was a Facebook man? How would it look? I wanna present the Facebook page on screen here tonight. What would Paul's gross national happiness update look like? Paul went through hell to bring heaven to the Gentiles. So I wanna throw up Paul's status update. Put it up here, Paul's status update. Okay, here it is. He wrote in 2 Corinthians 11, are there are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked harder, <laughs> much harder. I've been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged more severely. I've been exposed to death again and again. And somebody would have already said, get over it, Paul, get over it. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the church. That's his Facebook. That's his update. That's his status. What would you write back to him? Bless your little heart, Paul. We love you, Paul. I'm on your side. I'm a Christian, and I love you. Now, he's in prison for the sake of the gospel. And after writing all of that, he says, I am still rejoicing. I'm rejoicing. My question to you today, 
What kind of genome, what kind of DNA is in this man? What does he possess? And what is the personal prison that some of you are struggling with? Why can't you get happy? You're not bound in prison. You're not bound in shackles. You're not beaten. You're not without food. You're not without water. You live in a wonderful city. You live in a great state. We are here tonight. We have a Jesus in our life. It's not time to be down in your dapper. It's not time to be frustrated and disturbed over your life. It's time to have the joy of the Lord in you that is your strength. Come on, clap your hands. I'm fixing to preach now. What's locked you down? What's keeping you from Jesus' joy that Jesus wants you to possess? Is it a cold, hard marriage? Just think about that. It's a terrible place to serve out a sentence. A marriage that won't work. Sometimes you drive by your own house to convince yourself that you need to go home that night. (laughs) That's not good. It is funny, but it's not good. How about relationship with your children? The worst form of behind bars. Can't get in their heads because they're rebellious and they're aloof and they know more than you and it's a prison. And sometimes you can't have joy in that prison. Or perhaps you're single and you're lonely and you live isolated and people keep telling you marriage is not necessarily where it's at and they're probably telling you the truth. But you would sure like to try and see if that did work out. That can become a prison. Perhaps it's a physical disease like cancer or a disability or COVID in the home. Perhaps it's taking somebody in your family can't do what you want. You know what I'm saying? And so it's very easy to go from feeling good to feeling trapped. Or perhaps it's a financial prison. You know, Visa and MasterCard and Amex serve a cold card statement every month. They'll send it to you, folks. It comes every month to our house. And I'm not even going to say hallelujah to that. You got your own prison. And sometimes it's very cold. So I'm asking you, what's your Shawshank? What's your Sing Sing? What's your Alcatraz? What is your personal prison? And if you can't define it in your mind and yet you don't have the joy of the Lord, you're living in a prison, you don't know what it is. The Bible talks about in the last days there will be a spirit, Daniel prophesied, that'll have teeth, that'll grind you to powder. It's a spirit that we can't identify. It's a spirit that wants to take away our joy, take away our contentment. It wants to kill our spirits, kill our lives, kill our hearts. It wants to take everything from us. But I'm promising you that if Paul can write about joy where he was, I can live in joy where I am. No, I'm here to declare. Paul knows something in prison He had a revelation that it, that something, what Paul knew that we need to know. True joy is not defined by my status. True joy is defined by God's purpose and God's process and God's promise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. File that, file that, file that in your life, file that. I was in a house one day when I first came here to pastor, we passed out 50,000 door knockers that we put on people's doorknobs, 50,000. It took us about eight or nine weeks to pass out 50,000 of them. And we got some calls. People didn't want them. But that was before Austin got real, real bad. 
That was back in 1990. And I was inside this house, inside this yard, put a, a door knocker and said, we're praying for you. And if you'd like to reach out, we, we're at a church over here. We, we're a new pastor, yada, yada. Here came a dog after me. He wasn't, uh, he wasn't barking. He was kind of growling. He was coming after me. But he got to a certain place in the yard and he suddenly stopped. And I was saying, God, I've got the power of the name of Jesus on me. But the owner had this invisible line and had a collar on that dog. And it was on that dog's neck and that collar shocked him when he ran to that invisible line causing him to stop in his track. And I, I claimed the power of Jesus, but I knew what it was. <laughs> some of you have visible walls and some of you have invisible walls. And they stop you from being what God wants you to be. Mainly, they suppress your joy. Here's a statement in one sentence. My joy is not determined by what happens to me, but what Christ is doing in me and through me. You hear me, listen to me now, listen to me now. You don't have to wait on things to have joy. You don't have to wait on a family. You don't have to wait on a new house or a job or a spouse. But what Christ is doing in you and through you, that's what it's all about. Can you clap your hands and say, I will have joy in my life. Come on, will it, will it, will it. There's a term called jujitsu. It's a Japanese concept. It's organized around the principle of using your opponent's energy against him. And Paul's in chains, but he had a captive audience. Paul always wanted to preach in Rome. <laughs> now he's getting to preach in Rome, but he's in chains. Now, I don't know jujitsu, but I do know crowbar. <laughs> You'll get that after a while. But I know the principle of jujitsu. My dad used to do something to us boys. I'll never forget it. Dad would flip us when we was about seven or eight. Eddie was about nine. My dad was big, strong man. And we'd take off running real hard. And he would hold out his right arm and we'd be coming this way. And we would jump up on his arm and try to hit right in our waistline. And daddy would throw us up like this and take our head with his left hand and throw us and flip us. He used our momentum to do to us what we want him to do to us. And so we kept doing that, right arm pushed down on the neck and, 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 and flipping a perfect flip. But Paul is using this spiritually in prison. If, enemy, if the enemy wants to throw me in prison, that's a bad move for him. I'm gonna throw him. I'm gonna set up a pulpit in this prison. I'm gonna have joy in this jailhouse. I don't know if you will get released from your personal prison, but if you participate in God's plan, you can have joy even in your own jailhouse. I'm not trying to get you out of your problem. I'm trying to get joy into your problem. Come on, clap your hands. I'm not trying. This is not a deliverance service. This is a joy service. You may not get out of that bad marriage. You may not get out of that single life. You may not get out of that disease. You may have that. Paul had a thorn in his flesh, but God said, hush, 
My grace is sufficient. God's not trying to heal everybody here tonight. He's trying to get joy into your life. Is that all right? Mm. You really can. If you participate in God's plan, you can have joy in your jailhouse. You really can. They threw Joseph in prison. Genesis 39 didn't deserve it. All he ever done was help people. They threw him in prison. He had a purpose in prison. He met a man who introduced him to the Pharaoh. Pharaoh had dreams that needed interpreting. Pharaoh put him second in command. And by that, Joseph saved his family and his nation from famine. Daniel got thrown in prison, a lion's den. You know, I'd rather be thrown into a lion's den than in a den of lions. <laughs> Think about that. A lion's den. The lions didn't harm Daniel. Darius, a cruel king, commanded when Daniel came out of that prison, out of that cell, out of that prison, the nation was going to worship the God of Daniel. Jesus was thrown into a prison. It was a tomb, but he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave while he was in that prison. Something was created in the tomb that birthed joy to the whole world. And when Jesus came out, we rejoiced. That's why Easter is so full of joy and happiness because we celebrate the resurrection. But hear me, you don't have to have Easter to celebrate resurrection. You can celebrate resurrection on a Wednesday night in Austin, Texas right now. Because Jesus may not heal everything that you want him to heal. It's not a perfect world we live in. We live in a cursed world. But he will give you joy to help you understand you can get through any situation in your life. Can I get a witness from the congregation right now? I can get through this. I can make it through this. I really, really can. I've come to tell you today, no matter what your prison, set up a pulpit and let your life speak for the God of glory. Let people know what kind of Christian you are in serving God even in your down times. Preach a sermon in your prison. Now I'm gonna share something with you tonight. I've done more funerals lately than I've preached. And I've been overwhelmed with funerals. And one of the reasons I'm preaching this tonight is because your pastor needed this tonight. I think that a pastor needs to preach to himself before he preaches to the congregation. And while I was putting this together, I was in my office and I had tears in my eyes. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to get on you sympathy here. I just had tears. I, I was saying, thank you, Lord, because I have another funeral in the morning. I'm going to another tomorrow, and I think I've got a few days off. But what I'm trying to say is it's tough. It's tough as a pastor to preach funerals and to preach hope into people's lives when there's no hope in their, in their daily lives. And it's very difficult. It's hard to do. And it's like a prison to me. But in the name of Jesus, in the morning, I will stand and I will declare the gospel of Jesus Christ one more time. Because I, I can have a pulpit in a graveyard. I can have a pulpit in a morgue. I can have a pulpit preaching the gospel to people that I don't even know or if, know if they even made a right, it right with God in their life because I'm telling you, I can't fix the situation, but I can let joy be in my life while I'm talking about it, amen? So what I'm trying to tell you, it may not happen the way you want it to happen, but joy comes in the morning. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. What does it matter? What does it matter? God's creating character. That's what matters. The important thing is Christ is preached. 
I know depression is real and down times come. That's why you have to express your aspirations for joy. I'm not talking about happiness and happenings when things are good. I'm speaking about joy. I rejoice in all things. I've told this story before and I love it. So if you've heard it, laugh anyhow. A farmer had an old mule and he fell in a well. He was so old there was no rescue even going to be tried on him. They're going to let him die and the well had dried up. So the farmer got neighbors to help bury the mule in the well. But somehow the mule wasn't ready to die. And they started throwing that dirt on him, shovels at a time, 10 shovels at one time, and he'd hit that mule in the back and he'd shake that dirt off. And it would start packing on the floor and he'd step up to a higher level. <laughs> they'd throw some more on him. He'd shake that off and he'd step up to another higher level. And they threw so much on him, he walked out of that well one. <laughs> he walked right out. See, hell wants to get you in a well and say you're not coming out. And he wants to throw dirt on you. But shake it off, step up, and come on up. Come out of that well. Come on. We used to sing a song. I'm gonna get a little happy now. We used to sing a song in Sunday school. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Where? I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart down in my heart to stay. And if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack. Sit on attack. You don't know that verse. Y'all didn't go to Sunday school as much as I did. We made up verses in our Sunday school. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Colossians 1:27, Philippians 1, joy is Jesus. My joy is in Jesus and Jesus is in me. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna share something with you and I'm gonna close. We're gonna do communion. Randy, if you'll hit me. Now next week, we're gonna, we're gonna get down on that joy genome next week. We're gonna get down on it. I explained what it was tonight. It's your DNA and you gotta, you, you gotta, have a, you gotta get some joy in that DNA. You gotta get it in there. You got to. You know, I lose stuff. I'm known as the, the husband, the father, the grandfather that loses stuff. Now I know you think that that's not true because you think that I look like I got it all together. And I do, except for losing stuff. <laughs> I lose stuff. And when I lose it, the first thing I think is somebody stole it. <laughs> but thank God I got a sweet little wife over there that when I say, oh, she's precious, when I say, baby, where's my briefcase? It's in there by the chair in the bedroom, baby. Oh, okay. It's not lost. Baby, where's my glasses? Baby, they're on your face. Oh, okay. It's not lost. Where's my wallet? Well, the last time I saw it, it was on the dresser in the bedroom. I go in there and there it is. And I ask her one day, how do you always know where my stuff is? And I don't want to tell you what she said. But it was something like, that's why I married you, to help you through life. <laughs> Amen. Now listen. <laughs> I've lost my watch. I've lost my keys. I've lost my glasses. I've lost my wallet. But I've never lost my Jesus. Yeah. And my joy... 
is not determined by what happens to me, but what Christ is doing in me and through me. Through me. Now here's what I want to tell you. I'm not, I'm, not trying to be, I'm not trying to preach emotional to you right now. I just want to tell you something. You need to ask the Lord to give you a DNA transplant. You need a joy genome in you. That no matter where you are or what you're up against or what you're fighting in your life, you may not see the victory that you want to see, but you can fight with joy. You can go against it with joy. You don't throw in the towel. You don't surrender. You don't say it's over. You don't say like Roberto Duran, no mas. You don't do that. You don't throw in the towel. You say, God is my help. God is my help. Folks, you don't realize the power you have calling on the name of the Lord. There's power in that. There's strength in that. There's hope in that. And you can be a joyful child of God. You really can. Pastor, you really that happy? Yeah, I am. I really am. I really am. And, and I've got a great wife. And I've got wonderful kids. But I've had some heartaches in my life. But I'm telling you, I'm a happy person. I'm a, I'm a joyful person. Because I have determined that I may not get everything fixed, like losing stuff. But I am going to have joy in my life. My genome will be joy. I'm going to have a happy genome in my life. I'm going to be thrilled about this thing called Christ. Because, you know, I think it's important. Because when you walk into a place and you represent the church and you walk in like you've lost your last friend and you're cussing everybody and you're looking at everybody like they're your enemy. They're not your enemy. You're their friend from God. And you need to represent Christ, not represent what you feel, but represent Jesus and what he is. And Jesus is our joy. Come on, he's our joy. Clap your hands real big. He's our joy. Now, would you stand? Some of you are saying, my Lord, I can't wait till next Wednesday night. I'm gonna do something else. I'm not gonna be here. Amen. Amen. Are you happy you're in the house tonight, sincerely? I love communion. Now, now we, we, we kind of pushed it back this week because I, I love communion to be the first Wednesday after the first Sunday. I like Sunday before the Wednesday of communion. So from now on, if, 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 if the first is on the first day of the week and it's Wednesday, we'll wait till the first Sunday. And then that's why I want to do it this time. I want to do it this way. And I want you to take your bread. This is a great night to take the bread of life. It's a great night. And I want you to hold it up in your hand and, and, I, and I want you to say this prayer. Jesus, I want your joy. I want your peace. I want your happiness. I want to feel your love. And I receive this bread as a symbol of your broken body that was broken for me. And I receive you into my life. Let's take it right now together. Don't taste real good, does it? Calvary was tough. But for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. You know what, the, you know what his joy was? It was us. 
was us. He endured the cross because he saw joy on the other side. That was us. We're his joy. We're his joy. Well, I'm going to teach on that next week. We're his joy. We are his joy. He needs to be our chief joy. And now take the fruit of the vine, hold it up and say, Jesus, thank you for the blood that was shed. I love you. I honor you. And I receive this worthily because you died for me. And I receive that into my life. Receive the juice. Hold your hands in the air and thank him. Thank him for his love and his kindness and his goodness and his sacrifice. Come on, thank him for it. Thank him for it right now. Thank him for it right now. Thank him for it. Amen. 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 Dear Father, I totally love you tonight and I thank you because of Calvary. Thank you because of the grave. I thank you because of the resurrection. And I thank you for people that we read about in the Bible, like the Apostle Paul. One day when we all get to heaven, I'm gonna, after I get through worshiping Jesus for a long, long time, I'm gonna find Paul. I'm gonna talk to him about his situations. And I promise you, Lord, it's gonna be a wonderful visit. But I loved what he represented to us in the word of God. He knew what true joy was all about. It wasn't changing his circumstances. It was clinging to a Christ that could help him through any circumstance. Jesus, I love you and I honor you and I praise you with all that's in me. I thank you for this night. Now bless us all tomorrow. Bring us back Sunday with renewed vision, renewed hope. And thank you for the beautiful crowd that's been showing up on Sunday. We love them. We love everybody in this house. Now bless us as we go home. Let us stay around as long as we want and go home when we get ready. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Everybody said amen.